sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good to see a good, good house full this morning. Good to see all you visitors. We still call you visitors, right? <laughs> You're always welcome. Good to see you here, Mark and Julie. And there's some other here I don't I just met in the back there. All right, well, it's good to be together in the house of God. It's good to know that we gather together here that God is faithful and He consistently brings us His Word. It's just when you stand up here and you're one to do it, you begin to wonder. <laughs> so all right, well let's have a let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for your word of life. Thank you for your love towards your children and all those who are afar off, Lord, that you seek to bring together. As you said, there are others that I must also bring into this fold. And Lord, we pray that you would gather your people into your fold. Lord, we pray that you would make your church beautiful, that you make each member today uh, take, a, take a step and pressing on to perfection, Lord. Help us to strive and to put off impurities and to reach for a higher goal that you set before us, Lord. And um, There is yet Canaan that lies before us, Lord. Help us to strive to attain to it and to, um, to war a good warfare. Lord, I pray that you would uh, anoint this word according to your will and that you would bless the hearts of and the ears of those that hear it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so that is the... Um, I guess if I were to have a title, it would be Pressing On to Perfection. Um, or, um, I guess you could use another title, which, um, Ye Have Come Past This Mountain Long Enough. Um, so anyway, that would be coming out of uh, Deuteronomy, and I'll get there later. But I was just thinking this morning, um, I'm sure most of us have been to a doctor at one point or another, uh, or know those that have been, and you go to the doctor and you complain about a pain that you have or something. And typically they say on a scale of 1 to 10, what level of pain is it? And uh, so that's, you know, we all gauge pain a little differently. Some of us think it's a 15 and some say it's a 1. Um, but so just uh, as, you know, kind of my purpose here is as we look at our own life, our spiritual life, and I'm not going to ask you this, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing? You know, are you, are you satisfied where you're at? Um, do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel successful? Uh, you feel accomplished in your spiritual life? Um, would you give yourself a seven or more? Or are you lower than that? And uh, so as I, I guess that's kind of where my message came out of. Um, 
somewhat feeling that I was too low of a number in that scale of, of uh, spiritual progress, uh, accomplishment, success. Um, so I guess that's a little where uh, the message comes out of, of pressing on to perfection. <clears throat> so I'm going to read in Deuteronomy 1, 5 through 8. There's a story here. This is the Israelites, you know, traveling from Egypt on their way to Canaan. <clears throat> and starting, yeah, chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, actually, I'll read 4. After he had slain Sihon, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt at Ashtaroth in Edrei, on this side Jordan and the land of Moab began Moses to declare this law, saying, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you and take your journey and go to the mount of the Amorites, and unto all the places nigh thereunto, in the plain, in the hills, and in the vale, and in the south, and by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river of Euphrates. So what I want to get out of this is, um, where God speaks to the Israelites, he says, ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. So, they were at Mount Horeb, and God comes along and says, you've been here at this mountain long enough. It's time to head on toward Canaan. <clears throat> so I guess kind of my, uh, and there's another, interestingly, further on where he does the same thing again. But kind of my question is, uh, to all of us and to me, are we parked at a mountain in our life and we need to move on to Canaan? As we are, we individually, are we corporately, are we parked at a mountain, and we need to move on to Canaan? Going on Deuteronomy two, just the next chapter, one through four. Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spake unto me, and we come past Mount Seir many days. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, Ye have come past this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. And command thou the people, saying, Ye are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir. And they shall be afraid of you. Take you good heed unto yourselves, therefore. So then he gives them an instruction how to go forward. But there again, um, this appears to be two separate mountains, but one following the other, where God comes to them and says, you've been at this mountain long enough. Move forward again. Here he says, you've come past this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. Both times he gives them directions to move on um, and to, to leave the mountain that they were camping around. And, you know, I had to, you know, as I prepared for this here, I just realized... And we'll get into it here, but there is mountains in my life that I'm camping around. I need to move on. And uh, 
you know, hopefully, hopefully none of you have mountains you're camping on. Uh, and this here message is not saying you have mountains. I'm just saying, if you do, it's time to move on. So here we can see uh, two times in a row God had to tell the Israelites to move on from their mountain. We can see the nature of mankind. Again, they were just hanging around another mountain. The Lord had to tell them to move on toward Canaan, press on and face their enemies and challenges that lie ahead. You know, I had to realize that um, whatever that mountain is in your life that you're dwelling around or may be dwelling around, we can waste a lot of time lingering around a mountain. And I just, just looking at my own life, um, how much time I wasted lingering at mountains. Um, lingering at uh, a place of not being fruitful, um, not pressing on, just kind of just sitting there and not moving on. And God says to, if, if we're at that place, God says to us, you've been around this mountain long enough. <clears throat> so we can, have, we can all have mountains in our lives. It can be points of achievement um, or success. We could, we could look back at uh, places of the past, like this was a high point in my life, and we can kind of just hang out looking at that mountain and wishing we could relive that and not going on. Or it can be a difficult trying time in our life. That can be a mountain. Um, that, and I think we all know what those can be like. <clears throat> or it can be a time of aimlessly staying in one place and not moving forward. <clears throat> oh, that's a... Not a good place to be, and I hope no one is there, but uh, if you are, I know what it's like. Um, but that, that's what the Israelites were at. Um, they, they didn't have purpose. They weren't moving forward. They weren't heading to Canaan. They were just staying at the mountains. Um, and God had to come along and say, you've been around this mountain long enough. Head on toward Canaan. I didn't bring you here to camp at the mountain for a long time. <clears throat> So I would like to encourage us, whatever that mountain, um, and it's different for all of us. So I have no one in mind, um, and I don't know your mountains, but um, I would assume most of us have mountains. And uh, whatever it is, you know, is it a relationship we're struggling with? Is it on forgiveness? Um, you've come past this mountain long enough, turn you northward. If we're, if we're there struggling with relationships, um, we have unforgiveness in our heart. And, you know, I, I realized going through this, I did. That was something I need to deal with. And he says to that, you've come past this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. Head on toward Canaan. <clears throat> is, it a, is it a vice or repeated area of failing in our personal life? And he says to that, you've come past this mountain long enough, turn you northward. Is it a decision we need to make, but we're procrastinating and dwelling in indecision? We don't, we don't want to make the decision that's before us, so we just kind of hang out at the mountain. We don't want to go on to Canaan. We don't want to fight the, um, all the 
the wars that no doubt are before us if we go on. So we're going to just stay at this mountain. And we dwell there indecision and aimlessly. And, and for that, God says, you've come past this mountain long enough. It's time to move on. You need to go northward. <clears throat> Is there a lack of progress or forward movement in our spiritual and personal life? And God says, you've come past this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. So, um, and again, I don't know what your mountains are. Um, and I don't even know what all mine are, honestly. Um, but, you know, I would want to discover them as God gives me grace to deal with them. I don't know, I want to know them all right away. But, um, um, but I want to move on. And I think we need to, we need to identify our mountains that we're, we're camping out at. And we can't stay there. <clears throat> Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I think if, um, you know, one of, if we don't have a vision, we will be hanging around mountains and not, not moving forward, unfortunately. It seems very likely that the Israelites found a sense of comfort and security staying by the mountain. Instead of launching out away from the security, like Abraham went out, not knowing whither he went. Um, un- unfortunately, and, and, and you'll hear this from um, people in abused situations, they actually find security in bad situations. And it's just, it's amazing, but we can do the same thing. It's, and I don't know why we do it, um, but we can be in a, in a bad situation, but we find security in it, and we just want to stay there. Uh, we don't want to go on because I don't know if it's a fear of the unknown, uh, what lies before us, but um, it seems the Israelites may have found some sense of comfort and security hanging around the mountains. <clears throat> And, and God's saying, you need to leave that and go on to Canaan. <clears throat> like Abraham, he, he, left, he left his family, he left his home, hometown, you could say, um, possibly the farm he was supposed to inherit. I don't know what it was. And he went out, didn't know where he was going, but God said, go. And he went. So we need to be like Abraham. <clears throat> so we often complicate the issues in our life because we really... Don't want to deal with them. The answers can be quite simple. We just need to do them. And I I appreciate, I'm going to read here in Genesis 42. But here's a simple story of there being an issue that needed to be dealt with. And the approach was quite simple. So let's read it here. Genesis 42, 1 and 2. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt... Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy from, for us from thence, that we may live and not die. Um, so we know it did get complicated later on. But uh, Jacob looked at this and he said, What are you boys doing? You're, you're standing here looking at each other. And I guess you fathers could know what this is like. You know, 
What are you boys doing? There's work to be done, right? Um, so I can identify with that. Jacob looked at his sons and said, why are you standing there looking at each other? We need corn. There's corn in Egypt. Go get corn. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes the answer to our problems are that simple. Maybe that's, maybe I'm simplifying it too much, but um, for myself, I find I complicate it because I don't want to follow through and do the simple thing. You know, God says, this is all you have to do. Move forward. Do this. And I have all kinds of excuses why it's not going to work. Um, so for, for Jacob, he looked at his sons and says, we need corn. They got corn. Go get corn. You know, so let's not complicate, um, you know, what we need to do in life. I think oftentimes the answer is much more simple than we make it. Just move forward. We typically make excuses and look to others like they were. They're looking at each other when the next step we need to take may be very obvious and freeing. And um, I think we should experience more of that. We were told what to do. We followed through. And it's freeing. We did the right thing. We moved on. And uh, it's, it's so much more freeing than finding excuses why you shouldn't do it. <clears throat> So here's a poem. I heard this years ago from Zach Poonin, and it always kind of stuck in my head. Um, so I had to search it up. I didn't remember it. But his plan for me, when I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and he shows me his plan for me, the plan of my life as it might have been, had he had his way, and I see how I blocked him here, and I checked him there, and I would not yield my will Will there be grief in my Savior's eyes? Grief, though he loves me still? He would have me rich, and I stand there poor, stripped of all but his grace, while memory runs like a hunted thing down the paths I cannot retrace. Then my desolate heart will well nigh break with the tears that I cannot shed. I shall cover my face with my empty hands. I shall bow my uncrowned head. Lord of the years that are left to me, I give them to thy hand. Take me and break me, mold me to the pattern thou hast planned. So that's, I found that a real challenge, you know, how we can, we can uh, block the Lord when he wants to lead us forward, and it's, it's to our own detriment. If we just followed through, we could be blessed. We can settle into a dangerous complacency and a sense of security in things as they've always been to the point we will not even deal with issues in our life even though we detest them. Um, Just, uh, I mean, we all know this here verse in Revelation 3. Let me just go to that. I'm not sure I have it all. So I think we all know this and not to, not to belabor it, but 
Here we see Jesus' intolerance for complacency. He says, I know, this is speaking to the church, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So we see Jesus um, does not have much toleration for indecisive um, lukewarmness. <clears throat> so I'm sorry if my, my thoughts here might be a little jumbled. I don't feel like I have a pointed message point by point. Um, so forgive me, but hopefully you can put it together. <clears throat> so we need to identify our mountain that we are lingering around and set our face to leave it and head toward Canaan. In First uh, Corinthians 6, it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And there's been times, you know, in my personal life, you know, faced with decisions, and I come down to this verse, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. And uh, it kind of puts things in perspective. You're, you're not your own. This is not, this is not your own. It is, but it isn't. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your members. So far as uh, moving on, making decisive decisions, um, I think it was the spring, winter, uh, I was at a business meeting and they called in a what I would call a motivational speaker that was there. Uh, he says he's not a motivational speaker. Um, this might be kind of off the subject, but he says he's not a motivational speaker because motivational speakers just cause stupid people to do stupid things faster. Um, so, But his purpose was to educate and motivate people to do the right thing. And it was somewhat in a Christian perspective, but more on a business. You know, he would speak at corporate meetings and things like that. So he laid out his formula for success. And... Uh, his formula for success is 48 slash 21 slash 1 slash 3. So 48, 21, 3. I'm sorry. 48, 21, 1, 3. And this is how it breaks out. You have 48 hours after being presented with a change that you need to make to make your decision for positive change. You got 48 hours to make that decision. You have 21 days to practice it for it to become a habit. That habit will produce one good year of fruit and rewards in your life. That one year will give you three years of positive growth. So, I'll go through it again. It's 48-21-1-3. You got 48 hours to make your decision for positive change. You have 21 days to practice it for it to become a habit. That habit will then give you one year of good fruit and rewards, which will then lead into three years of positive growth. Um, so I thought, makes sense. I just thought it would share it. Some practical secular wisdom. 
to make that decision, to make it a habit, and it will reward you in the future. So we need to, like I said before, we need to address the mountains we're, we're lingering around. We need to address them, identify them, make a decision. We're going to move forward away from this mountain. You know, like, um, obviously, probably over half of you were not here at the last brothers meeting with Mark. But in there, uh, most of us, we raised our hand saying, I am in this, I'm committed, I'm moving forward. And as I would say, we've come past this mountain long enough. We need to make that decision. I make the decision, I address my mountain, I'm moving forward. In our personal lives and beyond. So, we need to make that decision, but the decision and the commitment doesn't get us there. But it's the first step that we need to take. <clears throat> so, in the Song of Solomon, chapter, 12, ch- chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. And I think we need to, in looking at the mountains of our life, realize sometimes what destroys the most fruit is the little foxes. It's the little things in our life that we, we, let them, we let them run in our vineyard. And, you know, I, I feel in my life there's too much little foxes. Um, little foxes run around in your life and they're destroying your fruits. Um, you might think you need to address the big foxes that are outside your graveyard. Sorry, your, your, your grape. Vineyard, thank you. Um, But let's take heed to the little foxes that spoil our grapes. So I'm going to go to Joshua 14. Seven through fourteen, and speaking about addressing mountains in our life, I know in one part we're saying we need to leave the mountain, but in some sense we need to address the mountain. And I'm so blessed by the spirit of Joshua in his addressing of a mountain. Um. So anyway, let's read it here. Fourteen seven through fourteen. And Joshua says, Forty years old was I when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly Followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, and he hath, and he said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. So he's eighty-five. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now. 
for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, wherefore the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in the day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kezerite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. But anyway, focusing on Joshua there, I've just always been blessed by him. Um, 85 years old, he says, my strength hasn't, I haven't grown weaker, and I'm ready to take this mountain. Um, so let's, let's have the spirit of Joshua in dealing with our mountains. Let's not uh, uh, make excuses. <clears throat> I'm going to go in Hebrews. Hebrews 5. I'm going to read uh, Hebrews 5, 11 through 6, 1. Of whom, okay, so he's speaking about Melchizedek. Um, he goes into all that, that um, very interesting. I'm not sure I understand it. But of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses.